Well, good morning. We are so glad to see you here for week three uh, at Thrive Church. And, um, you know, we are so happy that, that you've come to join us. And uh, like Kyle said, you know, if, uh, if you want to take a, a few moments and fill out the card, uh, we, we're not going to hassle you or anything. We just, we're not going to show up at your house. We're not going to ask you to stand up and tell about yourself. None of that. We just want to, you know, send you a card and thank you for coming. And we are so glad you're here. And, uh, and the band, they did a great job this morning, didn't they? Man, you know, today was one of those days for us here at Thrive Church. And for, for those of you that are here during the setup, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, have you ever had one of those days that, like, everything that could go wrong goes wrong? That's like what today was. I mean, we store our trailer in a garage, and we weren't able to get in. It took us a half an hour uh, to get in to get all of our stuff, and, um, and we had to kind of uh, force our way in there. I'll just leave it at that. Um, and, uh, and we were able to get in and get our stuff out. And then it's just like one thing after another. But you know what? God is good. He's got a plan for us. And I believe that you're here for a very specific purpose this morning. That God has been planning for, for even long before you were born for you to be here and converge with us this morning at Thrive Church. And, you know, we're talking about our series right now is called Thrive. You know, we figured our, our first series, it goes along with the name, and we're talking about Thrive. And what does it look like to really thrive in our lives? And are you thriving right now in your life? Are you thriving or are you just barely hanging on, barely surviving? See, God wants us to thrive. The very first week we spoke about God's Word and how God's Word causes us to thrive. If you're not getting in God's Word on a regular basis, don't expect to be thriving in your faith and in your relationships and in things in your life if you're not getting in God's Word. Last week we spoke about prayer and the importance of prayer. And this week we're talking about community. You know, one of the th- things that Jesus did was that he invested in relationships. He was all about people, all about relationships. You know, and I bet that most of you, the times that you felt most alive in your life, when you felt like you were really thriving, was in the context of a good relationship. Right? Maybe, maybe it was you're in love, right? I mean, don't we feel like we're thriving when we're in love? You know, maybe not 20 years later, but initially we're like, man, I just feel like I'm thriving. Or maybe you have a really close friend. Now, maybe they're gone away now and, and you don't see them as much, so you don't feel, but man, man, when we were together, we just felt like we were thriving. Maybe family. Man, when you're around family, you just feel like you're thriving. And the times that you've not felt alive are probably when you haven't been around family. The times that you felt alive that weren't in context of of a relationship, maybe a victory or an accomplishment, what's the first thing you want to do if you've achieved something great? You want to go tell somebody, right? You want to say, hey, let's party together. You know, I just climbed Mount Everest. Let's go hang out now, you know? I mean, I, I might not have done it with you, but I want to celebrate with you. We want to share that experience. This is like a pastor I read about. And one morning, Sunday morning, of course, he gets up and he's like, you know what? I'm going to call in sick. I mean, call in sick for church, right? So he calls up one of the guys at the church and says, I'm not feeling well this morning. I'm not going to be able to do it. Can you cover for me? And the guy's like, okay, sure, whatever. So he, he does it. 
The pastor, meanwhile, grabs his golf clubs, and he's going to go out and play 18 holes. And he's out there, and, and, and he's out there, and God's like, I'm going to fix this. So he's out there. He's on, like, you know, hole nine. He gets ready. He hits 240 yards in the hole, hole in one. And, and Gabriel looks at God as like, I thought you were going to teach him a lesson. He's like, yeah. Now who's he going to tell about that? <laughs> you know? So... When we have a great victory, we want to share that with people, don't we? We want people to rejoice with us. All throughout Genesis, we see God creating things, right? He creates the land, the animals, the birds, all this. And every time he creates something, he says, and it was good. And he saw, and it was good. And he saw, and it was good. And then he stops, and he looks at something and says, that's not good. Do you remember what that was? In Genesis 2.18, it says, Then the Lord said, It is not good for the man to be alone. It's not good for us to be alone. See, you know, we, we, we hear about the Lone Ranger, and we hear about this and that, and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's great. And, and maybe some of you feel like maybe you're more of a loner. But you know what? We need that community. We need people around us. It's not good for us just to be alone. What, what would life be like if everything we did we were alone when we did it. You know, life is better with community. Life is better when we spend it with other people, when we have those relationships. You know, about, uh, about 18 years ago or so, um, my friends and I, John, actually he's running the sound in the back there, uh, him and I, uh, we, we were going to go backpacking together. And so we're getting ready to go backpacking. We're going out there, and, and as the last minute, you know, I'm like, I don't know, 17, 18 years old, I asked my dad, I'm like, hey, dad, you want to go backpacking? And, uh, and I didn't want him to come. I mean, what 18-year-old wants her dad to go with him? But, but I was like, you don't want to come with me? And, and he's like, okay. So we, we got all of our stuff loaded up. We went backpacking kind of over in the vicinity of where uh, Mohawk Mountain is. And we're out there backpacking, and it's in March, and we thought it was going to be warm, but it wasn't. And, I mean, it just the temperature dropped. We were having 40-mile-an-hour winds. Uh, at a zero degrees, so that dropped the wind chill to 40 below. And, uh, and we were prepared for like a spring hike, not like deep winter backpacking. Anyhow, um, you know, we get set up our, our tent there, and, and in the middle of the night, uh, John woke up, and he was, he was uh, shivering and cold. And, and I realized at that point that, uh, that I was wet. Not because I wet myself or anything, but, um, but I was wet, and I, I had this uh, this this. We, a water bag, kind of like what a camel bag, kind of a thing, the bag, and I was sleeping with it because I didn't want my water to freeze. Well, anyhow, the cap come untwisted a little bit and leaked all into my sleeping bag. So I was uh, getting pretty wet from that, but I didn't really think anything of it. Anyhow, the next morning we wake up, and, and, uh, and he's still cold, and we're trying to build a fire, and I go over, and I, I don't feel cold, I don't feel anything, and I make myself some breakfast, some oatmeal, and... Uh, and I take a couple bites of the oatmeal, and I just feel really sick. And I say to my dad, would you like the oatmeal? And he's like, no, I'm all set. And the next thing he knows, I'm lying on the ground. And, uh, and the next thing I know, I mean, I hear my dad yelling and shouting and, and all this stuff. Stands me up, and he's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. He feels the back of my neck, and it's ice cold, and I, and I had hypothermia. You know, your body temperature is supposed to be at what temperature? Like, 986, right? Well, 
when your body temperature gets to 80 degrees, you go unconscious. So, I mean, that's how, you know, low my core temperature was at that moment. And, uh, and so, so he had, uh, he was trying to get us to walk around, and I was still collapsing on the ground. And, and, uh, and then, awkwardness of awkwardness, he t- says, okay, you and John are getting in a sleeping bag together. Now, <laughs> I don't know if you've been in another mummy-sized sleeping bag with another guy, but, yeah, it, it's, it's a little awkward at times. Uh, yeah, yeah, just friends. That's it, honestly. And, uh, and, and my dad started giving us uh, hot tea and, and, and eventually ran out of tea and started giving us water. And, I mean, this was like a, an hour and a half process of getting both of our core temperatures back up again. And eventually, you know, we started to, to come around and we started joking around and whatever and got out of the sleeping bag and like, okay, this is a little, uh, a little, little much of that. But the thing of it was, was man, if we didn't have each other in that context, the outcome of the story would be totally different. I mean, that's something I look back and you know, like, yeah, that was a great adventure and whatever else. But man, if he hadn't been there and if my dad hadn't been there, man, that would have been it. You know, I mean, but we had those relationships. People can help you in times of need. You know, sometimes we need to just invest in a relationship. And and it can be risky, because some of us are like, well, if I invest in a relationship, those people might turn out to be jerks. You know, they're probably thinking the same thing about you, quite frankly. And and we don't want to invest in relationships, but sometimes we need to take that risk and take time to to kickstart a new friendship. Maybe to, to, to call someone that you haven't talked to in a while. Or, or join a, a Thrive group. That's something we're getting ready to, to, to start launching is Thrive groups. And it's just groups of people that get together and live life together. Because listen to what it says in Acts 2.46. In Acts 2.46 it says, They worshiped together at the temple each day. And they met in homes for the Lord's Supper. And they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. See, this thing called faith... This life that we live, it was not intended for us to do it alone. It was not intended that we just do this all by ourselves. It's kind of like this. You guys know what this is, right? It's a bike tire. Now let's just say, for example, that you are one of the spokes on this tire, right? And other people are the spokes of the tire too. But the hub, the hub here, this is going to represent God. Now here's the interesting thing. Some people are like, I just want to get close to God, but I don't want to get close to other people. Well, the closer you get to the hub here, the closer you have to get to the other spokes as well. The closer you have to get to other people. You you don't have one without the other. If you want to get closer to God, it's inevitably going to mean you're going to have to get closer to other people as well. And when you get closer to other people, you're also going to be getting closer to God as well. So here's five things we're going to talk about that can only be experienced in this context of a small group. The first thing is that you can take off your mask. Now, I don't know about you if you ever wear a mask or not, and I'm not talking Halloween. Halloween's coming. I'm not saying a Halloween mask, but, you know, the mask that says, oh, everything is going good on the outside. We show up on Sunday morning. We just had a fight in the car. We're like, I don't even know if I want to be here. And my mom just drugged me here. I don't want to be here. My friend drugged me here. I don't want to be here. And, and, we come, and then we're like, oh, yes, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Right? Because we want to pronounce that J. And, 
And so, so, so we put on this mask, and people are like, how are you doing? Oh, everything is wonderful. Praise the Lord. And, and we, we act all spiritual, and inside we're like, things aren't good at all. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other. See, in the context of a group, we can confess our sins. Now, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying we can broadcast this. I'm not saying you should do this with total strangers either, you know? I mean, you know, you come to church and say, hi, I just yelled at my wife. I lied on my tax returns. I rear-ended a guy in the parking lot. Praise the Lord. And like, okay, I think I'm going to be sitting over here right now, right? No, I mean, we, we, gotta, we have to, to um, judge who we can share these things to. I'm not talking about broadcasting your failures in a large group. I read about these pastors, and... Uh, and, and they're all together, and um, it was like three, three pastors. And, and they say, you know what, we're together here, we have some time, let's confess our sins to each other. And so, uh, so one of the pastors says, okay, I'll, I'll go first. This is my, my problem, no, none of the people in my church know this, but I have a really, I have a problem drinking. So I just can't stop, I've done it for years, and I just, it's just out of control, but you know, nobody sees it, I hide it very well, but that's just my problem. The other pastor says, well, thank you for sharing that. I'll tell you what mine is. is well, I have a problem with, with money. And, and sometimes the church has money. And, and there's been a few times where I've taken some of the money for myself. And, and I've done this with it. And I feel really bad about it. But for some reason, I just have no control over this area. And the next pastor comes up. And they're like, well, what's your thing? And the pastor says, guys, my problem is I gossip. And I can't wait to get out of here. <laughs> you know? Sometimes we got to be careful who we share our problems with, right? Because we don't want people to go around blabbing everything. You know, or they do, oh, I'll be praying for you. Please pray for brother so-and-so. He beats his wife and he does all this horror. And it's like, you know, we become gossiping. Come on. It's not about gossiping. But when we have a group of people that care about us, we can confess our sins. And it's important to do this around people that love us, and are mature enough to hear us and help us with it. We need to be willing to take off our mask from time to time. You know, there's healing power. Healing power and forgiveness when you confess your sins to trusted people. You should be involved with a, with a thrive group, a small group, for no other reason than this. One day, you will mess up. You will mess up. And you'll need someone to turn to. You'll need someone that cares for you. I'm not standing up here pointing the finger. Hey, me too. I mean, there's, there's days that I'm just like, man, I need someone to talk to. And I thank God that I have people in my life that I can talk to that, that aren't going to be like, well, you're a pastor. You shouldn't think that. No, they know we're all humans. And they'll point, us to, point me to Scripture and lead me back where I need to be. <clears throat> okay, so the second thing, <clears throat> excuse me, is guidance. Anyone... Uh, Use a GPS. Maybe you have one on your phone or something like that. Anyone? GPSs are great, right? Wherever you want to go, <clears throat> it'll lead you there, and a, woman will, vo- a woman's voice will guide your way, right? This is great for people that don't have enough people telling them what to do already. You have some lady there saying, okay, take a left, take a right, whatever. And you make a wrong turn, and she's just recalculating, and, you know, she's not saying, you loser, <laughs> you know, you missed it. They're just like, take a legal U-turn or whatever. In Proverbs 3, 
5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will direct your path. How does God direct our paths? Well, he usually will give us generalized guidance in large group settings, right? So you're here, we're in a larger group setting, and, and maybe as I'm saying something, you're like, oh, that's a good point. That applies to me in my life, and you can maybe take a note of that, or you remember that, and say, oh, I have to apply that. That's great. Sometimes when we're alone, he'll give us certain little promptings as well. If you're like, oh, you know, I feel like I should do this, or I should do that. But do you know what we often want? You know what people want? They want guidance with skin on it. They want guidance with skin on it. We want guidance that's customized and tailor-fit for us. And you only get that from a group of people that really knows you and knows God's Word. Proverbs 15.22 says that plans go wrong for a lack of advice, but many counselors, they bring success. When you come to a crossroad in your life, you go to the group that loves you and that prays for you. And you ask them, what do you think is a good decision for me to make here? You know, people come to me sometimes asking these life direction questions. Like, should I change my career? Or should I kick my 30-year-old son out of the house? You know, or, or should I get a separation? Or should I marry this person? And people are taking a huge risk when, when they come to me and they, they ask that kind of advice. And, and I don't take it lightly, but, but hear me. Without proper context... It's hard for me to really give good advice. Now, I give God's word, and that's the best advice I think I can give anyone. But without knowing that person closely, it's hard to give very customized advice. But there's going to be a time in your life where you're going to need some customized guidance. Guidance that is geared just for you. And that's why we say join a group. If you want to be part of Thrive Church, well, hey, what we do here on Sunday morning is only half of it. It's getting involved with a group of other people, working on the application. How do we apply these things? Not how do we just hear it. How do we apply these things? Next thing is it helps us with blind spots. You know what a blind spot is? This morning, coming to church, I'm driving down the road, and I'm getting ready to get over in the lane. I'm running a little bit behind. I'm like, i got to pass this guy in front of me. And I'm getting ready. My, 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 my blinker's on, and I'm getting ready to pull over. I check my mirrors, rearview mirror, side view mirror, rearview mirror, side view mirror. Get ready to pull over, and I look, and there's a guy sitting right there, riding right in my blind spot. I'm like, man, I almost didn't even see that. You ever have something like that? Somebody's in your blind spot? See, it's, it's these spots in our life that, oh, I think I got good visibility, but it was a whole car hiding there I didn't even know about. James 1.23 says, but if you listen and you don't obey, it's like looking at your face in a mirror but not doing anything to improve your appearance. And here's the thing. Sometimes, though, mirrors don't see everything. But what we need is, is other people on the lookout. People that can help you to apply God's word. Like I said, I've got a few friends and a few mentors along with my wife that will tell me if they feel like I'm doing something wrong. You know, sometimes for my wife, it's a little elbow, you know, or something like that. Other friends sometimes say, you know, are you sure about this or, or whatever. And, and it's like, I'm saying, okay, it would be easy for me to be like, hey, you don't know what you're talking about. But I'm like, wait a minute, maybe there's something in my blind spot here that I'm just not noticing. Do you have mirrors? You don't get this on your own. 
Sometimes you'll hear someone, they'll tell of a difficult situation they're having in your life. And you're like, you know what? God's Word talks about that. It's like this. My, my wife and I have this little thing that we do. Whenever we go out to eat, um, that, uh, that after we're done eating, she'll go like this. And, and I'm supposed to look at her teeth and tell her if she's got anything stuck. Anybody else do anything like that? No, okay, so we're, we're just weird. <clears throat> and, and I'm like, yeah, you got something, or no, you don't have anything. Well, what, why is that? Because she realizes, I can't see what's going on here. You know, and, and, and that's saying, sometimes we ask our, our friends, our family, our, our close acquaintances, say, hey, do I have something on me? Is there something in my teeth right now that I should take care of before I go out there in public? Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. It says, as iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. You know, Leonardo da Vinci said, an arch is two, is, consists of two weaknesses which leaning against one another make a strength. You've seen these big arches? It's two weaknesses. If you took either half of that arch off, the whole thing would crumble. Two weaknesses, but when leaning together, they make a strength. The next thing is accountability. You guys have one of these? Bathroom scale. <laughs> now, when you step on this thing, it, it's not going to lie to you. Unless if you mess with it. If you mess with it, I see like, oh, I just twist this little thing down. and Man, I'm in the best shape of my life. No, you stand on this, that's instant feedback, right? It's like, hey, would you step off? Or like, you know, one at a time, please. You know, and it gives us some instant feedback. It's like personal trainers. Sometimes like, man, a personal trainer is silly. You pay someone to watch you lift weights. I'm like, that's not how it should work. I want to pay you to lift the weights. I don't want to lift the weights. I want to pay you to do No, that's not the point of a personal trainer, is it? Why do we hire a personal trainer? It's, it's for accountability. It's for them to hold you to something, to push you further than you thought you could. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says, two people can accomplish more than twice as much. Man, when we load this stuff in here, it takes a team. I couldn't do it on my own. It takes a team. And man, you know, when we get our energies together, it multiplies that two people can accomplish more than twice as much as one. They get a better return for their labor. If one person falls, they can reach out and help. But if people who are alone when they fall, to say, are in real trouble. If you're alone when you fall, man, you are in real trouble trouble see accountability is simply inviting someone to help me do something that i want to do and i can't do it on my own now i'm not talking about forced accountability and and i'll i've had people like this they'll come and say judah i want to be your accountability partner so just tell me anything that's going on in your life i'm like and your name is (laughs) you know it's like no i mean accountability is something that i trust you i know you and i need to make some changes in my life will you keep me in check for this. In 1953, Sir Edmund Hillary climbed to the summit of Mount Everest. The first person to ever do that. Imagine that. Man, what, what, what an amazing feat that was. Climbs to the summit of Mount Everest. But he had a companion, Tenzig Norgay. And Edmund Hillary lived to tell a story because of the help of this Sherpa. When someone asked Norgay why he didn't brag about it, he says, we mountain climbers, we help each other out. 
Yeah, Sir Hedman Hillary gets the recognition of it, but it took a team. It took more than one person to make that happen. You know, people often want what they get in a bar, right? What do you get in a bar? You, you go there, you get companionship. I can talk, I can let my hair down, I can, I can say things and people are not going to preach at me. And I wonder, why doesn't the church have that? How come if somebody comes in and says, I'm struggling with this, we're like, oh, really? Well, I've never struggled with sin personally. <laughs> you know, And we act like we're all high and mighty. But you know what? We're normal people too. We're just trying to, to, to continually work out our own salvation. I believe that Christ wants His church, I believe Christ wants Thrive Church to be unshockable. Unshockable. A place where someone can come in and say, I'm sunk, I'm beat, and I've had it. And we're not going to point fingers. We're going to wrap arms around them and say, we're going to help you get this worked out. You know, Alcoholics Anonymous has that, right? You come in there, you just, you just show yourself. You say, hey, this is what I am. And they're not going to judge you for it. So how come when people think of the church, they think of people that are judgmental? Let that not be said of us. That we're judgmental. No, the Bible says that they'll know that you are believers, you're Christians by not how well you judge, but by how well you love. And let's love other people the way Christ would. That brings us to the next one, and that is love. There's one thing you can't get out of a large group, and you can't get on your own, and that's love. And, and good snacks, of course, too. That's a little difficult. But, but love, man, you have to have other people to experience that love. John 13, 34 and 35 says, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Your love, not even how well you know the Bible, not even how long you spend in prayer, not, certainly not how well you can judge somebody. It says that your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Let us be a group that connects with other people, that connects with God first and connects with other people, that we express our love to someone that comes in the door, we express our love to someone that doesn't look like us, that before we jump to judging, we jump to loving. Because that's seriously lacking in our world today. Let people say, oh, oh, you go to Thrive Church, I can tell because, because you're loving. It's on, the church is only ever going to be as loving as we are, right? We're the ones that have to put that into action. You can come to church every week and you can sit next to people and people are starving for love. They're starving for acceptance. You can go home, you can read your Bible, you can pray and still be starving for love. But, but I'm on Facebook. I got 583 friends. <laughs> you know, come on. That's not a replacement for real relationships. This little group is the primary way that our love need gets met. You ever seen a redwood tree? Has anybody actually ever like, legitimately seen a redwood tree, like up close and personal? Some of you guys have? Man, I've always wanted to see a redwood tree. They just amaze me. And these things are huge, right? They can be 300 feet tall. 300 feet tall. Some of them are 2,500 years old. Imagine what they've gone through. 
I mean hurricanes and storms and, and all kinds of things. But here's an interesting thing about a redwood tree. For as big as they are, they have a very shallow root structure. The roots don't go very deep. Now, we see trees around here, and if they don't have very deep roots, what happens when the storm comes? They fall over. But how do these redwoods that are 300 foot tall, 2,500 years old, how do they stay strong? Because their roots intertwine with the roots of the other redwood trees. Their roots intertwine. So, so they're going up, but they're also connecting with those around them. You know, and that's what we need to be like. You know, say, oh, oh, I look all strong and I look all great and whatever. But when the storms come in your life, are your roots intertwined with those around you or are you on your own? You get one of those redwood trees, you put it out on its own and a storm comes, guess what's going to happen? You're going to have a lot of firewood. And I wouldn't mind. I, 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 bur- I heat my house with a wood stove, man. I love some of that wood. I don't even know how many cords of wood you could get off a tree like that. But they don't fall because their roots are interconnected. Remember Jesus? That one of the most radical things that he did was that he showed people love around a dining room table. We always see that. We see that he's going to some party. He's going someplace. He, he had this huge amount of, of dinners, breaking bread and drinking wine and hanging out with other people, people that we might not even want to associate with. And Jesus was associating with them. And they would share their hurts and their sins and their struggles. And he would say, I still love you. I'm going to meet you where you at. Now, I don't want you to stay there. I want you to move from that point. But I love you right where you are. Jesus was falsely accused of being a glutton and a drunkard because he did so many dinners. It annoyed the the religious people. I would never go and associate with those people. But see, Jesus couldn't express that same amount of love like like the feeding of the 5,000. You know, how, how do you have a one-on-one conversation in that context? He couldn't. But when he was alone, when he was with his, his group of disciples, when he was at someone's home for dinner, he could show that love. And being in a group is where we find that love. So these five gains that you find in the context of a group is a confession of sin. Customized guidance for your life. Application of God's Word. Accountability and love. My final challenge to you, words of a great song, come on people now, smile on your brother, everybody get together and try to love one another, when? Right now. You know, some of you need to take a step, and that step is, is maybe joining a, a small group of people, and, and on that card, there's a couple check boxes. Again, we're, we're new. We're like just starting this stuff out. But it says, I'm interested in joining a Thrive group. And if you're interested, I would encourage you to check that off. And there's another one that says, I'm interested in leading a Thrive group. And, and this is not like, this is not saying, oh, you have to have a degree in theology to do this. No, I, we're just looking for people to, that can facilitate relationships. That can say, we're going to meet on this time and this day and everybody be here. And we're going to love you and we're going to help you to grow in your relationship with God. Maybe you need to take that step right now. It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to o- happen overnight, but we need to take that first step. We're going to get the band to come up here. And while they do, um, I would just like to take a moment and, and pray, you know, because maybe you're here right now, you're like, you know what? Some of these things in my life, they are missing. You know, may- maybe the relationships or 
you don't have that close accountability. But before we connect with other people, we need to connect with God. And the Bible says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, and you say that with your mouth, that you can be saved. We're not talking about some flaky, super spiritual thing. It just means that, that He saves us from an eternity separated from Him. And if that's where you are, I would like to encourage you to take that step of faith. It's a step of faith, meaning we might not understand everything that's going on, but I'm going to take a step of faith and I'm going to trust God that what He says is true. And I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to put my life in His hands. Why don't you bow your heads? We're going to pray together. For those of you that do know Christ, I would ask you to join in with us and just recommit your life to Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that you're my Lord, and I believe in you. Please forgive my sins, and please draw me to you. Please bring people across my path that I can love and that they can love me. I don't want to be shockable, I don't want to be judgmental but I'm going to be loving like you are. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can go and visit us at www.thrive.church. If you're ever in the area, we'd like to invite you to come and join us. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, we encourage you to leave a rating, review, share with your friends and family. Until next time, may you grow deeper in God's word each day.